lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. We have a jam-packed show lined up for you today. First, I want to preview what is coming after the show in the overtime. We'll be joined by Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage. We're going to break down something that literally looks like Book of Revelation stuff. Like, and then I looked and saw another horse. I mean, these numbers are just unbelievable. I, I've, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. And post-industrial revolution, Western civilization, not even post-market crashes leading into the Depression, because we had not nearly the amount of wealth stored up amongst the middle and upper classes that we do collectively. I mean, this, this is absolutely stunning. The day Joe Biden took office, inflation was 1.4%. Today, they are admitting it's 8.3%. So what do you think it really is? The day Joe Biden took, o- took over, the average cost for a gallon of gasoline was $2.39. Today, it's $3.75. The day Joe Biden took over, a 30-year fixed mortgage had an interest rate of 2.65%. Today, it's 708 the day Joe Biden took over, the median rent ask in America was $1,625 a month. Today, it is over $2,000 a month. The NASDAQ was at 13342 Today, it's at 10829 This This stuff is stunning. It is official. We are in, well, at least by the definition of the term, we don't know any definitions of terms these days. We don't know what they are. But the traditional definition, you know, like those of us who are fighting fascism, are called fascist by the fascist. You know, the traditional definition of fascism, the collusion of elites in the public and private sector for the purposes of dominating the populace. That's the traditional version. Now, those of you that are fighting that collusion, you are the fight. You, we are the fascists now. So the traditional definition of recession is consecutive quarters of negative growth. Today it was confirmed we have reached a second consecutive quarter of negative growth. The economy contracted 0.6% in the second quarter. It is now officially a recession, which means, of course, you know, YouTube will ban you for pointing this out, apparently, and on the current task and trajectory that we are on. This stuff is cosmic. This stuff is biblical. And I don't see any sign of it slowing down. Choose the wind, reap the whirlwind. Congrats to white suburban American women. Karen, can't thank you enough. You did it. You did what the Redcoats could not. They tried twice. Uh, you did what the, with the, with the, uh, the, the, Islamic fascist on 9-11 couldn't do. Uh, you did what the Viet Cong could not do. You did what the Nazis could not do. Uh, you did what the f- Italian fascist could not do. You did what the Kaiser couldn't do. You did what the Confederacy couldn't do. Take a bow. 
Karen. I mean, light up your cul-de-sac home with all those in this home, we believe in everything that's a lie signs. Fire up your EV Subaru. That is, if you have electricity where you live. Take a bow, Karen. You have done it. This was the cost of you saving the world from mean tweets. We will discuss this further in the overtime today for Blaze TV subscribers. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, you can become one today by going to blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. And that's also where you'll be, you'll be able to watch it later today. We'll record it right after the show. You'll be able to watch it later today as well if you're a Blaze TV subscriber already at blazetv.com slash dace. Don't forget about our friends over at Tyga Coolers. It is peak tailgate season now that we are fully immersed into the fall Still time for you to get a brilliant American-made lifetime warranty guaranteed cooler from a pro-American company that fans of the Blaze, they're people just like you. They just happen to make really badass coolers. They can customize it for you as well, provided you're not asking them to do something that's, you know, obscene or a copyright violation. Or you can just get a plain old, really good, reliable, sturdy, cool-looking cooler. When you go to tigacoolers.com, T-A-I. GA for tigacoolers.com. Use the promo code Steve at checkout for 10% off. Promo code Steve at checkout for 10% off at tigacoolers.com. Coming up on today's show, we have a lot happening today. Theology Thursday, we will finish the series that we have been doing on my most recent book, Do What You Believe or You Won't Be Free to Believe It Much Longer. We'll finish that book today with the conclusion. We'll have three non-political questions. Our friend Matthew Peterson at the Claremont Institute will join us at the bottom of the hour as well. But before we get to all of that, let us begin, as we always do with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by, is Corrine Jean-Pierre a real person? Hurricane Ian made landfall in Florida yesterday as a Category 4 hurricane. So far, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says there are two unconfirmed deaths as a result of the storm. The White House pledged its support to Florida. I just listed out at the top of my, uh, at the top of the briefing on all of the uh, kind of resources, manpower, women power that's on the ground. Moving on, and as a reminder, this was just last week. Some people ask whether you are fit for the job. And when you hear that, I wonder what you think. Watch me. Honest to God, that's all I think. Watch me. We're still watching you, Joe, at an anti-hunger event yesterday. Joe Biden looked around the room for the late Congresswoman Jackie Walorski. And I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie. Are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she she was going to be here. Again, Jackie is dead, but that didn't stop Joe Biden from looking around the room to see where she was. Here's how White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre responded to repeated, and I mean repeated, questions from the White House Press Corps. What happened in the hunger event today? The president appeared to look around the room uh, for an audience member, a member of Congress who passed away last month. He seemed to indicate she might be in the room. Uh, so, of course, she was on his mind. She was of top of mind. Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She must not be here. It just explained she was on top of mind. The late Congresswoman was top of mind for the president and her family was expected to be here and that's what he was thinking about. Why, why was he looking for her? I'm not trying to be 
I think the American people out there who, you know, watch the briefing uh, from time to time, maybe at this moment, will understand when someone is at top of mind. Can you explain where the mistake was made? Did the pres was the president confused? Was something written in the teleprompter that he didn't recognize? Can you just help us understand what happened? I mean, you're jumping to a lot of conclusions. Would you be prepared to release the prepared remarks that the president had in teleprompter just so we can understand? Uh, I'm not understanding why why that would be would be necessary. We Green, I have John Lennon okay. top of mind just about every day, but I'm not looking around for him anywhere. When you sign a bill for John Lennon, Lennon has president, then we can have this conversation. Does he believe that he handled that reference appropriately, or is this something that he would like to get back? You get uh, what like to get back what? And where is Jackie? Look. I know this is a, a question that many of you have had. I've answered it multiple times uh, already in this room. Uh, and my answer is certainly not going to change. Moments of confusion are happening with the reason. Excuse me, the confusing part is why, if she and the family is top of mind, does the president think that she's living and in the room? I don't find that confusing. Jumping to a lot of conclusions, I just answered the question. If I had said, if that had been the case, I would have stated that, right? I would clearly have stated uh, what you just laid out. Uh, what I had said is that she was on top of mine. I'm sorry to have to do this, but I'm compelled to ask you to go one more time back to the question about Congresswoman Wolorski. I'm not sure why. Why? Why one more time? Moving on and checking in on Kamala Harris. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. In the least surprising news of all time, Senator Mitt Romney is refusing to endorse or support fellow Utah Senator Mike Lee in his re-election bid. Lee is running against Democrat-endorsed independent Evan McMullen. Life comes at you fast, bro. Update. This was a tweet from the Washington Post back in January of this year. The government's first study on coronavirus vaccines and periods found no meaningful change in menstrual cycle length. Here's a tweet from WAPO on Tuesday. A coronavirus vaccination can change the timing of when you get your period, according to research. For most people, the effect was temporary. In completely unrelated news, the CDC says fewer than 2% of eligible people have received the new Jab 2.0 Jab Harder update since its rollout almost a month ago. The first person to ever play James Madison's 1813 Crystal Flute is the recording artist Lizzo, whose only discernible skill is being a morbidly obese race baiter. The Library of Congress, as well as the Secret Service, facilitated her desecration of the American artifact. And finally, Blaze TV's Alex Stein is out raising money for the poor residents of Martha's Vineyard, who were cruelly preyed upon by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis just a few weeks ago. I'm Alex Stein. I'm here with my friend JVT, and we're raising money for the residents of Martha's Vineyard, who were unfairly the victim of a political stunt by white supremacist Governor Ron DeSantis by sending 50 illegal immigrants to a town that did not have the resources. Governor DeSantis sent migrants there illegally. It must have been so hard for the residents there. Their croquet plans got interrupted on that Tuesday. And their brunch was canceled. You guys want to support the victims of Martha's Vineyard, the residents? They were part of an unfair political stunt. The victims of Martha's Vineyard, the Martha's Vineyard, the Martha's Vineyard. All we're asking is a small donation to help if, fund their If you don't have any cash, we have a QR code. Oh, those poor, poor rich people. Oh, really? Yeah. Poor people. I know, it's terrible. Who's the victims? The 50 migrants? No, the residents. I Keith. wish the I would.
What? You don't feel bad for the residents? A bunch of rich bitches? Yeah, no. but their brunch plans got canceled. Do you know how many of their polo plans got canceled because of that stunt? One girl had a birthday, Sweet 16 birthday canceled, and they had a really big deposit on a boat that they rented. Her sailboat plans got canceled. And that's what happened while we were away. I have no idea how Alex keeps a straight face doing that stuff. I, I couldn't possibly do it. I, I have no idea how you keep a straight face in real time, right? It's, it's one thing to tape it as a, as a prepared event, it, but to organically go out into the street and maintain character, to not break stride, to keep your composure the entire time, keep a straight face. I don't, I don't know how he does it. I, I, I couldn't do it. Well, he also okay. goes into city council meetings <clears throat> wearing bras yeah, and things that's like what I mean. that. So it's... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you, again, you stay He's in character and everything else. Yeah, clearly, very clearly. I mean, I, I, I would not be capable of it. Eventually, I'd get too proud of myself for pulling it off and start laughing at my own stuff. That's <laughs> that's what would happen. Aaron's Montage uh, brought to you by our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com. Uh, you know, buying or selling a home is never one of the you know less stressful things you'll do in your life, but particularly right now in these Let's Go Brandon unprecedented times Bing. yeah interest rates on a 30-year mortgage seven percent they were under three when joe biden took office yeah you betcha you bet your sweet bippy you better make sure you've got an agent man that can absolute navigate your path through this murky let's go brandon process from beginning to end all the way through and you'll find that agent when you go to realestateagentsitrust.com chances are it's an agent from right here in the audience that shares your values and they'll help you get almost anywhere you want to go or get away from here's how it starts just go to realestateagentsitrust.com provide some basic info the team will then contact you to make an introduction to a preferred agent in the town you're in or want to go to when you go to realestateagentsitrust.com. To the montage, very quickly, I want to, I want to ask a question. Um, I had not seen that exchange yet on the president and his fitness for office. I, I think that's one of the most extraordinary moments in the history of White House press briefings. In fact, I, I would I would argue it might be the first time in the history of this republic that there has been that level of press corps questioning about the mental fitness and competency of the commander in chief for that extended period of time. Agreed. And just to kind of put a finer point on that, did you hear the final question? I don't know who the reporter was. Yeah, because I didn't hear Peter Ducey's voice asking all those yeah, questions. Did you hear, this was pretty comprehensive. The, the final report journalist, he said, Kareen, I, oh, I, oh, I here's really, apologetic, hate, I really hate to do yeah. this, but I got to ask. I got to do my job. Yeah, I, I know most days, uh, most days I don't have to do my actual job here. I have to, to do the job you guys want me to do. But given the weakness of your answers and the display that we are daily watching right now, I, I have to actually do what Rush Limbaugh used to call accidental journalism now. So, Todd, I asked you as the unofficial ombudsman here on the program, what is prompted is it now sometimes it happens right you know there is a sovereign god sometimes even out of terrible sources good stuff just occurs because there is still a law of nature and nature's god no matter how east of eden we get right so sometimes 
stuff just happens, right? Sometimes it's it just ha- it just happens that the most uh, democratic socialist country on earth, Sweden, just so happened to decide to actually uh, you know try liberty during a pandemic when no one else did. I mean, right? Sometimes we just break character from total depravity and act out of our own carnal instincts because we can't fully we're totally depraved. We're not utterly depraved. No matter how hard we try, we cannot totally bury the Imago day within us. Hell, John Wayne Gacy was actually brilliant with watercolors. There's always, someone's always got something to offer. Okay? Know what I'm saying? All right. So that could be what went on there yesterday, right? Just a random act of, okay, we got to get some answers to this. If it's not that, what is the agenda? I have a theory if it's not that. But I want to know, what do you think is prompting their own regime-approved sources now to pile-drive that narrative about the president being unfit for office? What do you think it is? Well, the most diabolical answer is that uh, the order has been put out to move on to Kamala. But I don't think it would be as apologetic in tone, according to what Aaron said. I, I think Occam's razor just needs to be put in play here and there's there's the level of shamelessness that Corrine there what's her name Corrine Jean-Pierre what yeah I think it's Corrine Jean-Pierre Jean-Pierre yeah Yeah. I mean she's nuts look at what just absolutely nuts I mean she's just a a JV version of Leon Fortunato I mean she's just a construct of the spirit of the age that's all and many of those reporters in that room asking these questions are obviously willing to go pretty far down that road as well and i think we know that the order that put biden in uh to the uh, democratic presidential nomination seat in the first place ultimately would be how easy he would be to be used he would say and do anything and the press marched accordingly but Remember, a lot of people in in journalism, they're not as comfortable as Kareem going that far out there. They're behind their typewriters. Uh, Their face isn't necessarily on it. They they know they were comfortable manipulating a lot of things. They're they're starting to have a moment where like, I don't know if I can manipulate. Looking around the room for dead people. Yeah. So this is like the story earlier this week of pollsters telling Politico in advance, we know we're wrong. We know we're undersampling Republicans again. We know their turnout will be uh, bigger than what we are forecasting because they're now, they are being, that you think that they realize they're being asked to just flat this, out sell a turd in the punch bowl and everyone now knows that's what it is. Is that what you're well, saying? This is, it's just too they're heavy a lift. I don't think mm-hmm. I can lie well enough to mm-hmm. say that this guy really is leading the country. And, and so the pollsters are like, hey, I'm fine running interference if I'm going to break the glass ceiling for Hillary or yes. we're going to get rid of Trump. OK, but I'm sitting here and I'm paying seven percent interest. I'm I'm the one paying that I'm paying, you know, 200 percent higher interest on my Manhattan flat than I was a couple of years ago, too. Oh, and no. now you're now you're asking me to carry that kind of weight. Oh, no, I don't even think they're thinking about that. Listen, remember, these are the people who Netflixed and chilled. I they, they, They've insulated them. I really don't think they're thinking about they're like like. He's actually does not know if somebody who he said was dead a month ago and so is dead now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can this, lie enough to pull this off. They're starting okay. to doubt that. All right. I can see that. I can see that. I love the question. I love the, the phrase you use, too heavy a lift. I like that. Here's what's all here's here's the thing, too. You have to look at the timing. 
It's going to be October here this weekend. Mm-hmm. Game's over. Time's up. They're 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 dead. They're all wearing. Any Democrat and running in anything other than a plus ten district is wearing just beam down to the planet with a red shirt. Any Democrat running in any statewide on anything less than plus five, just beam down to the planet on a red shirt. And we all know what that means. Game beaming back up. You're done here. And I think that everybody's goose is cooked. Everybody recognizes that. And so it becomes, I think, the timing. This this stuff's been true since uh, since uh, May of 2015, of, of, 20, of 2019, okay? We were talking about this during the primary cycle mm-hmm. on this show. And everybody knew this during the presidential election. Everyone's known this since he became... Th- this is... I don't think... I, I think the watershed a bridge too far. I mean, this is a guy, when he didn't have dementia called for a guy in a wheelchair to get up for to for and receive a standing ovation okay right i think the i think it's too heavy a lift because they're all getting their asses kicked now that it's we're, we're 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 post their ability to lie cheat alter the outcome and the trajectory of what is going to occur here in the on november the 8th they're doomed and so I think it. I think you give your conscience gives you a little bit more freedom to accept that it was too heavy a lift when it was too heavy a lift two years ago. You see what I'm saying? Now, now they're done. There's there's nothing to lift. There's nothing to carry. They're, they're, what's, what's your ROI carrying water for these people? You're going to get nothing. You're going to get annihilated just yeah, the same anyway. They're in a cult, so they don't think they're doomed. They they think they're on the the, the righteous side but all his goofy gaffes in the past when he was just goofy joe mm-hmm. and not senile joe, that's how they they knew they could like massage the senility because it wasn't such an obvious departure mm-hmm. but now he's talking to dead people in front of the entire country they that's just how exactly do i pull off this level of coup because that's what they're trying to do, and they're unapologetic about it, but they don't think they can pull this one off. Switching subjects. I think it's possible I could be wrong, and you're right. That's why I'm giving you the last word on this one. Oh, I, okay. I'm, I'm open to that on just about any issue these days when, in reverse. Let me go back to something, though, that I've been right about for a long-ass time. And almost from the day... I started doing this for a living. Other than COVID and the initial skepticism I showed where that was concerned when so many others got in line to goose step to the narrative. My contrarianism has never been more correct than it was about Mitt Romney really from the onset of my own career. So much so, reminder to the audience, you on your radio show in Des Moines said out loud, I will resign tomorrow if you can prove one thing I've said about Mitt Romney is a lie. Yes. And no one even took you up on it. Mitt Romney is the creator of the rainbow jihad in America. Mitt Romney is the creator. He is the God, he is the, he is the, he is the godfather of gay marriage. The Massachusetts Constitution, handwritten by John Adams himself, explicitly forbid courts from making law. So the Massachusetts Supreme Court, when it threw out the Defense of Marriage Act, did not order the creation of marriage licenses for homosexuals. It did not. It remanded its ruling back to the legislature to act and gave it a deadline to act, almost like an appellate court would with a lesser court. The legislature did not act, which left Romney as head of the executive branch a choice. 
would he uphold the actual marriage law of Massachusetts or the opinion of the Supreme Court in Goodridge? He chose the opinion of the Supreme Court. Then, when he, after he did so, when, when his DHS tried to shut down Catholic charities because they wouldn't do adoptions for homosexuals, he sided with DHS and declared war on the church in Massachusetts. Romney Care subsidized abortions by taxpayers. He gave Obama his worst idea before he had it. This is not new. Many people still want to act as if this is what's happened to Mitt Romney. No. This is who this Quisling has been from the beginning. His first political campaign, he literally ran to the left of Ted Kennedy and said, I'm not trying to repeat Reagan Bush. I'm opposed to Reagan Bush. This is always whom he's been. One of the things I can hear the voice of Lord Nefarious. We love to throw our assets at you meat bags and present them as idols and saviors and heroes and champions and then watch you take the bait and then we turn around and have them turn on you right to your face right to your face and rub your nose in it there were names and i mean major names names you would know some of those names aren't even that far away of people who tried to get me blacklisted and discredited from this industry movement before most people even knew who I was for daring to tell the truth about this quizzling. And then, oh, of course, if you didn't vote for him, you hated America. You cannot possibly make a case that we would have been better off if Romney had won in 2012, knowing what you know now. You can't possibly know that. There's no way you could possibly make that case. None. We were actually better off that Obama won. It helped build more of the critical mass that led us to the events of 2016. This is why we need another standard other than the lesser of two evils. The lesser of two evils is a fallacy. Everything on this earth is the lesser of two evils. If the lesser of two evils is your standard, then you'll just be accepting of anything. Because we live in a fallen world. We're all evil. The days are evil. So therefore, you will just say, you'll find something else that by your perception will be a little less evil. And you'll just justify it. As Christians, we should not be trying to hold a measuring stick of how much evil can I do and still be doing good? Should the measuring stick not be how much good can I be doing in order to oppose evil? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Trump endorsed this fool in the primary to get him a Senate seat, only to have him essentially try to individually wreck his presidency for four damn years. We never learn these mistakes. And Abraham became the Republican nominee and it was credited to him righteousness with the magic R. This is what idolatry does to us. We should have been rid of this guy years ago. Some of us, present company included, got rid of him for you. 
But no, we just had to keep bringing the idol back because he was electable. He could win more idolatry. You aren't going to beat the spirit of the age with idolatry. Idolatry is the spirit of the age. Beelzebub will not cast out Beelzebub. If you begin your citizenship with an outcome-based process, as opposed to a motivation-based process, you're not a citizen. You're in a cult, and you are a subject of the spirit of the age. That's the way it thinks. You might even come to, if you start with a motivation-based premise, you might even come to the same conclusion. But you did it from a basis of righteous thinking. And therefore, will be far less willing to hold on to a canard once it's been exposed to you as one. You'll be far more willing to hold people accountable and treat them as employees and not idols. Utilitarianism is not going to beat utilitarianism. Technocratic humanistic thinking will not cast out technocratic humanistic thinking. That is not the stuff of a republic if you can keep it. He's Michael Myers. I believe this is the fourth time here in a few weeks we're going to have the final chapter of the Halloween movie franchise. We can't get rid of the guy. Because we can't get rid of our own idols. Smash those idols into a thousand pieces. And then maybe you might get to do things like smash the FBI into a thousand pieces. Remember when we found out at the advent of COVID, Stan, that over 80% of our own antibiotics are manufactured in China? Yeah. And we remember thinking at the time, who thought that was a great idea, right? Correct. Correct. How about if I told you, you know, the majority of pork production in the U.S. belongs to a company that China owns? So. I have no more shocked faces. Th- thoughts, th- your, your thoughts, Todd? Uh, give me an apologetic, uh, if you would, a catechesal breakdown on the wisdom Maybe give me a, uh, uh, you know, a papal encyclical on the wisdom of outsourcing food and medicine, a majority of your food and medicine to the only country in the world that uh, views itself as your legitimate economic military competitor. My official comment is, "Uh uh-oh. Indeed. Uh, And that's why you want to check out our friends over at Moink. Uh, Grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon delivered straight to your door every month and farm to table because the family farm does it better. If you want to try Moink Box and help keep independent family farmers alive, uh, you can go to moinkbox.com slash Steve right now and when you sign up you'll get free filet mignon and every order you make for a year free filet mignon and every order you make for a year when you go to moinkbox.com slash Steve that's moinkbox m-o-i-n-k moinkbox.com slash Steve one last postscript on the Romney thing before we get to our guest we and I were talking about this during the break my favorite thing from 15 years ago when I was pointing out how terrible he was 
in literally his own words. He was just telling us the terrible things he believed in. Uh, you're just an anti-Mormon bigot. I got that constantly. All right. And so now here we are 15 years later. Here's Romney splitting, literally splitting the LDS church in an effort to get, including the LDS-owned Deseret News, just splitting the LDS church in an effort to replace maybe the best U.S. senator we have. And I understand that might be faint praise to a lot of people these days, but regardless of what era we live in, he would, Mike Lee would certainly rank somewhere in the top three, correct? Sure. Yeah. Uh, to arguably replace the best senator we have with a known CIA operative who also just happens to be a legendary level of grifter. This is the problem when you are wrong for that long without consequences. You end up being wrong on steroids. Yes, you do. Let's talk to somebody who is quite right. In fact, he just tweeted this out a little while ago. Quote, you're nuts out of touch or in denial. If you don't understand that the next best big step for the metastasized sexual revolution will be justifying sexual activity between adults and children. In fact, it's already happening. The obvious point on the horizon towards which things be racing. Matthew Peterson just tweeted those words a little while ago. Good friend of the show. Good to have you back with us, Matthew. We actually took a guest recommendation from you last week, and I let him know up front that there was a tremendous amount of pressure on him. All right. To live up to your recommendation and he did. In fact, I'm still getting, uh, you know, congratulatory and thank you uh, emails from people who appreciated that gentleman a week ago on guidance counselors being the tip of the spear for the spirit of the age in the government school. So thank you for the recommendation. And it's good to have you back on the show. Hey, I mean, thank you. for Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Alvin is uh, my man. Alvin is doing some amazing work. What I love about that guy is he's actually doing the work. You know, he's out there and an activist. He's not one of these fundraisers or you know, kind of fakers. He's really doing it, and it's, it's important. Um, I, I'm just happy. I'm happy to be on, so we can all vent a little bit. I feel like uh, I feel like it should be some kind of venting Friday with all the crazy stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But first, you made me hungry talking about meat, and then you moved on to Romney, and I, I don't know how we move on from that. I mean, this guy, like the the the, the audacity to think that he should be choosing, you know, who should lead in the Republican Party. I, I don't know, and. and I don't. I, I think beyond sounding the alarm, when you look in all these different directions, uh, what's going on in the schools and everything else, more and more, I just come to this conclusion that people have to find the ways they can actually move things forward practically themselves for the for the sake of the, their own life and their family, and carve out a decent way of life for themselves in the midst of all this. Mm-hmm. I get worried that too many people are, you know, in despair or. Uh, are just developing bad habits because it's hard. It's it's insane. We have to laugh about it. It's it's outrageous what's happening in every sector. This poll that came out this morning from Trafalgar, I think, in a in a way, kind of is a snapshot of where the right in America is. All right. I don't know if you've seen this or not yet, Matthew. Here's the poll. Quote: While Kevin McCarthy's commitment to America rollout didn't move the needle with voters. Majority support its core principles. Now, guys like you and me, I'm guessing, would say this this is a talking point plan from 2004, right? This is this is the stuff we tried to get Team GOP to say in 2004, and we're saying it in 2022 when drag queens are teabagging our kids at uh, elementary schools and libraries, right? Okay, so uh, there, we would probably say they're two decades behind in their talking points, but but most people aren't like you and I, frankly. All right, so. 
what I see when I see this poll is that basically, and, and, and I could sum up as someone who's done professional polling, professionally analyzed polling, and just talked about it on the air. I could sum up all the political polls I've seen in nearly 20 years in this business in one sentence. The American people do not like Democrats and do not trust Republicans. I could sum it all up in that. What this poll is telling me from Trafalgar is, I love that platform. I have zero trust that Kevin McCarthy will actually implement any of it. So it didn't move the needle because he's the face of it. Because he's the face of it, it didn't move the needle for me at all. In fact, I probably wasn't even aware that they were rolled it out and did it. Okay, but yeah, in a vacuum, do I think those are good things to do? Yeah, but I don't think that these people will actually do any of that stuff. That's what that poll says to me. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen this yet, but it fits with what I've been thinking about that. I was I was taking a look at the. Uh, the great commitment uh, the other day, um, you know, even just the look of it, the aesthetic look of it. If you go to the website and you read these things, it's just, you know, there's all these consultants. You're right. We know exactly. I, I know exactly as well how they how they put this together. And, uh, you know, yeah, there's nothing objectionable in it, most likely. But I, I just get bored till it, I can't even read the whole thing. You know, I have to just skim to the end and then I just turned off my screen. But but here's the thing. You, we can't put the faith in princes, right? I mean, the, the Republican Party, the uh, you know the, the leaders of it, there's some good people, there's some people trying to make change. The way really to help them is increasingly, I think, just getting really serious in our own lives about making changes. And I know that that sounds like a platitude too, but people mm-hmm. are actually doing it. You know, they're moving around the country, they're leaving jobs, they're going to, they they are building new schools. Um, and so I, I think that, when you look at the party, you have to realize both parties are just vehicles, right? They're coalitions, coalitional vehicles to get to over 50% of the vote. So the old way of thinking of it is sort of like, this is my football team and that's your football team. And I root for my football team all the time on Fox News. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, The new way of thinking is, look, you got to realize the party is just a coalition. We should be telling the party what to do. We should be pushing the party. We need to tell the politicians what to do. And every once in a while, you might get a great statesman or whatever, but most of the time, we just freaking want someone who represents us and says the right thing and votes the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do, that, that consolidating power to push them to do the right thing is, is what we need to do. And, and part of it is like you're doing, being open about when it's just not acceptable. Your thoughts, we were just discussing this before you came on. I think we had one of the most extraordinary moments in the history of White House press briefings yesterday. An elongated and press-driven continual and in-depth discussion. And I didn't just hear Peter Ducey's voice all the time on repeat. He wasn't just Peter Ducey on loop there. There's a lot of voices and a lot of different people, including people that sounded almost apologetic to be asking these questions. But... What triggered in the minds of the regime media to hear the president go full sixth sense, I see dead people the other day, as if they had not seen two and a half years of clear evidence of dementia going back to the Democratic primary, okay? Why that moment all of a sudden led to a conversation, Matthew, unlike anything we have ever seen in the history of the American presidency, an open back and forth dialogue about whether the president of the United States is legally competent to do the job. I've made this statement before over the years. We have projected a lot of things in the presidency, corruption, courage, valor, um, you know, uh, incompetence. I don't think we've ever, though, projected feebleness from the presidency. 
That's what's being projected right now. So why suddenly was that moment a bridge too far, do you think, for a lot of the regime's own journalists? Yeah, well, I have two answers for that. One's a uh, one's a charitable one, um, which is, you know, maybe when we're actually pushing and pushing uh, the world towards economic collapse and war, uh, there are some people who have some little tiny adult deep inside their soul that finally is going, maybe we shouldn't have a senile president with dementia in charge right now. Mm. Uh, that's the that's my my positive spin. Uh, the, the cynical take would be. <laughs> Sorry, we're just laughing. The, 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 we live in a time where that's the positive spin. Someone, someone, a few guys, you know, that are the fourth estate gatekeepers of democracy suddenly decided, hey, we're on the brink of World War III. Maybe we shouldn't have a commander in chief that's got dementia. That's that's the positive spin these days. But you're probably right. I'm sorry. Finish your point. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, that's all I can figure that they're thinking like, well, maybe you know, World War III and economic collapse and people freezing in winter and a dementia. A president with dementia isn't a good idea. Maybe we should ask a few questions. Uh, but but I think that, look, a lot of us have suspected that at some point, uh, you know, they're going to run this old man into the ground. It's sort of elderly abuse, what's going on anyway. And they have to make that change because he's just not going to stand up. It's not feasible. You can have, you know, you can have someone strutting around with the power behind the throne for a while. But if, uh, you know, as he gets worse, you, you can't keep it up for long. Um, it's already incredibly dangerous. Like you said, this is a historic situation. Um, you know, we have to laugh because it, otherwise, you know, you're going to cry. This is insane. So I think I, I, I'm very curious because I suspect that over the next few weeks, right, the adults in the room uh, will, will start to all of a sudden find out that, you know, maybe the president has these problems. And obviously that was a, uh, a like you said, it wasn't just conservatives asking the question. So it was okay. They were permitted to ask the obvious question. So I would suspect this is the beginning of, uh, you know, getting Biden out because they need to transfer her, transfer him out. Uh, and this narrative coming from the left shows that I mean they're gonna have they're gonna have to get rid of him. We knew that anyway. So maybe this is the beginning of that. Now I think the the real what I'm curious about is that means we'll put Harris in there, who of course uh, you know can't get right who we really have alliances with, um, who's in some ways even worse because. She's uh, right. She's not. She doesn't have dementia. She just is naturally this way. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how this works, but I, I do. I do think this is the beginning of uh, the drumbeats to to try to transition Biden out. You and I are from the same generation, and I put on Twitter this morning. One of the things that the last thirty months, in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, taught me about what our government and and people elements within it are capable of from the creation of the virus and the funding of the research that created it to the lies and tyrannies that followed for 30 months thereafter that pretty much all my child of the eighties were America bitch level of patriotism is pretty much all gone right now. Like I just, I I view whether it's Ukraine, Nord Stream, I view everything now with instantaneous suspicion of the people that work for me, that claim to represent me, wear my uniform. And I, I hate that. I just, I don't know how else to react after the things I've personally seen and witnessed over the last 30 months, though. Yeah, I feel that too. And it's kind of a grieving process for the America that you knew, uh, that everyone has to go through and realize, you know, that ship has sailed. Um, here's, here's, I think, the the positive thing to, to grab onto. And that's America isn't over, it still exists. 
but this regime is, you know, has taken over uh, America. So where does it still exist? It still exists among half plus the country that doesn't want this stuff, that has been disenfranchised, that have been, has been delegitimized by this regime. And so America still is here. We need to form it again. We need to re-found it again. This is why red states are important. This is by making those changes in your life. That's important. Finding those institutions, those schools for your kids, whatever, like building and banding together. This is absolutely, because that's all you got at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. You can't sit around waiting for some savior to come in to this you know, trash government that's gonna come in on a white horse and solve the problem. DeSantis could be president tomorrow. Trump could be president again tomorrow. What are they gonna do? I mean, they're gonna have to go to war against the administrative state. I mean, it, it, you, you got to band together and think about, we will recreate America here. We will refound America here. We will carve out space to live a decent way of life in the midst of this madness as it falls apart. Uh, because it is falling apart. It's falling apart before our eyes. And this make-believe fantasy world that all these other pundits live in, like, oh, you're really extreme, Steve. You and your show and The Blaze is really extremist, blah, blah. They can talk all they want, but the, the, like, the buildings are falling around them. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, things are falling apart around them. And everyone sees that. So we have to stay healthy and strong. We have to build our own infrastructure. I know you launched a podcast. Tell our audience about it and how they can find it if they want to sign up. Oh, thank you. I feel kind of embarrassed about this. You know, I mean, a podcast. I, I thought only uh, only, uh, only everyone has a podcast. Yes. Why would I do it? Yes. Uh, but but I do. I have a Matthew, Matthew Peterson show. The Matthew Peterson podcast is available on iTunes, uh, Podbean, Spotify. And I'm just trying to lay out you know, how I see things and talk about this new com commercial cultural movement kind of thing I was just talking about more and more uh, because uh, you know we gotta we gotta we gotta build that up because because you guys are exactly right this is an insane world we're living in it's historically bad and if we don't focus on building some kind of positive you know just psychologically I don't I don't know how I'm gonna survive. <laughs> I can't I can't sit here and watch them make a mockery of this country mm -hmm. uh, day in and day out uh, without without doing something and building something positive and banding together with people who get it like you guys. Amen, brother. Well, good luck with this new show. I'm sure it'll be a success and we'll have you back soon. All right. Take care. Hey, thanks. Have a good one. You too. Thoughts on our conversation we just had with Matthew Peterson. Well, the reason I trust him so much is because when I discovered him, you know, I don't know, five, six years ago. He was already talking like this, and that's why I thought he was such a great companion for this show. We, we knew before COVID came along, before Donald Trump came along, things were in deep trouble. Steve, your whole show for how many years now has been, a, basically that's been as deep a theme mm -hmm. as anything else. Mm -hmm. And he just, he, as much as anybody in our industry, knows what time it is. And he is that graph that's going around Twitter the last 24 hours. This guy who says, uh, uh, try uh, F around and, uh, find out mm -hmm. it's just beautiful. Well, that sums up. He's an incredibly smart guy, but that sums up the id, the ego and the super ego of Matthew Peterson. Exactly. Right. And, and just to, to kind of briefly wrap this up, you know, talking about building something new that, that has to be, that has to be our goal in the same week we have the fbi raiding a pro-life a pro-lifer's home 
in Pennsylvania, the same week that this morbidly obese race baiter plays James Madison's uh, <laughs> flute that's 200 years old. Those stories are connected. You and it's why. Are. It's why we have to start building something new because yep. they've already taken over everything. Theology Thursday is next. With Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. In fact, you've got a a podcast with our colleague Keith Malinick coming up here soon, right? Uh, kind exactly. of a This Is Your Life, Aaron McIntyre? Yeah, yeah. A couple of people thought I was dead uh, from the, the tweet that was out there this morning. Oh, I'm very much alive. <laughs> Very much alive. Just talking about. Is it the Nosferatu-like uh, complexion, or it just looked like a? It I looked like an obituary photo. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you. Sometimes with the uh, the inflection in my voice, sometimes I sound like I'm dead too. So I know that's one thing with the new studio you are looking forward to is some lighting that does not make you look undead. You know who else is looking forward to that? My mom, my wife, <laughs> a lot of your wife's. Your wife's like. I know he's better looking than this, <laughs> or at least more alive, at least more alive. Yes. Uh, that's a reminder, by the way, we will be having uh, a lot of uh, topsy-turviness here over the next couple of weeks with the studio upgrade. Uh, that begins next week, and then we may have some scheduled topsy-turviness as well uh, with uh, the movie and the election and some other stuff where I might be doing the show from rando setting A or B uh, over the next couple of months. So uh, just want to uh, alert all of you to that uh, and, and ask in advance for your patience uh, as we get through uh, a very busy time here for the show and both for, for the upcoming Nefarious film. Uh, this part of the show is brought to you by our friends. Uh, over at My Patriot Supply, if you don't feel too confident about the future, join the club. And with everything going on right now, we are Let's Go Brandoning hard right now on multiple fronts. That means you want to make sure you're prepared for the next time that couldn't happen here, ends up happening here, because it very well could be the food supply. So go to My Patriot Supply right now, and you can save big 20% discount on their three-month emergency food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, even snacks and drinks. So the full 2,000-plus calories a day that you need, you'll have it for you and everyone in your care for up to three months with right storage. It'll last for well over 20 years, right? So uh, take advantage of this before the sale ends soon by going to my landing page at preparewithdace.com. Again, that's preparewithdace.com, D-E-A-C-E, preparewithdace.com. Don't forget, you can like uh, us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Follow us on those places. You can also follow us at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter. Find me over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. Get clips of the show free of any censorship and free to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. And those of you that listen to the podcast, thank you so very much. Please, if you have yet to do this, leave us a five-star review. Uh, please hit subscribe or follow. Help us to make the, the proper offering to the finicky and very demanding algorithmic gods out there. And thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. If, by the way, you'd like to have your question considered. Uh, for the next Ask Me Anything on the show, include it into your five-star review, and you will go to the front of the line for Todd's consideration for the next AMA. Well, now that we are officially into fall, we have spent the spring and summer looking at my most recent book. We are doing a three-book series, a study series, this year on Theology Thursday. We started the year with a, and why not do it during the bitter time of winter? And we did 
and it was bitter. All right. So bitter that all of you, we had to euthanize that study. You should, you should say that to Scott. I bet you get a kick out of it. You should send him a note. Did we try to study your book all the way to the conclusion and you made Dace tap out. You need to know that. Dace went to the audience and basically pleaded, can we, can we cut this short? I can't do it anymore. <laughs> He'd probably get a kick out of that. But we started the year looking at Scott Atlas's book because we wanted to observe the spirit of the age and its natural habitat. We then, as we got into the warmer months, we took a bigger picture look at the spirit of the age and how it uh, behaves and how it can be confronted uh, on a big picture view with uh, my most recent book, Do What You Believe, or you won't be free to believe it much longer. In a couple of weeks, we won't have a show next Thursday because of the renovate. So in a couple of weeks, we will start a new and the final series in our triumvirate this year, looking at Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and the state of the economy. And boy, is that even more timely now than we even thought it might be when we planned this out last December, right? I mean, it's even more providential and serendipitous timing now. That'll begin in a couple of weeks. But let us conclude with the conclusion. And Todd, since you were the one that put together the, the questions and the study guide portion of this book, you have been kind of guiding the study of the book here on the show. Well, speaking of timing, the cosmic sense of purpose, the thread of this first uh, three segments of this show, and I'm sure Aaron will destroy that in three non-political questions, but nonetheless. I promise. I promise. Uh, <laughs> you know, when Steve starts off the first segment and he's talking about uh, Mitt Romney and how long he's been warning about him, yet they persist. And then we talk with Matthew Peterson, and I said at the end there, how, how long... Uh, he has been warning, as as we have, yet they persist. And Matthew says, as bad as it is, we, we, we still must do something. We have to do something. Correct. And then here, Steve, in your conclusion, your one of your fundamental themes is exactly that. Outcomes are not for us. They are for God. And we are not allowed to despair. We must do something. That is not negotiable. And near the end... You say that this way. And again, what's also amazing about that is, remember, we're just, we're t Steve delayed within the last month uh, talking about this book twice because we just talked about something else. So again, I'm reminded of that cosmic sense wow. of purpose of the thread running through the show that we're talking about the conclusion. Right. When Steve's made the points he has and Matthew has, God does work in mysterious ways. And here's what Steve says near the end of the conclusion. There are estimated that only about 10% of those who identify as Christians have a biblical worldview. Now that's depressing. But about 200 million Americans currently claim to be Christians. 10% of that number would be 20 million people. Only three states, California, Texas, and Florida, are currently home to that many people or more. Maybe it's just me, but I kind of think 20 million people could wreak a lot of heavenly havoc. Amen to that. And then I've even forgotten until I looked at it this morning. I've been offering you five questions in reaction to whatever we talked about uh, in any given chapter. And in this one, I only offered one. And it's the perfect question to ask after what I just read from Steve and what we've been talking about for the entirety of this show. What are you prepared to do, Steve? So the, the next book I have coming out, uh, and it will release in about a month, uh, is my first attempt at a children's book. 
and you can pre-order it right now if you want to. And um, after Rush passed away and after the success of Fauci and Bargain, uh, my publisher came to me and they, they were like, you know, you've got a higher profile now. And I mean, Rush and the Rush Revere books were very successful. And the more and more we move away from even biased history to just flat out agate profit indoctrination, we think there's a real market for, you know, a, a proper view of American history, a resetting of it. Would you consider that? And I responded, A, a children's book is like way out of my comfort zone. But I said I would consider it if it could be on America's Christian heritage instead. So something more specific than just generic American history. Could it be on America's Christian heritage instead? Because the prime directive of our show is from the day it launched has always been um, to let the lion out of its cage, to do let this show be used as a platform uh, to try and make a biblical worldview mainstream in America again. We're not worried about winning arguments with the biblical worldview. We're worried about starting them. That thing has a tendency to win every argument in the end, provided it gets into the argument. The, 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 the problem is getting it into the argument. And there's a reason why totalitarian governments always shut the scriptures down, always shut the Bible down. There's a reason why today you're often told, well, make your argument without the Bible. I mean, I, I mean, if I had an, if my opponent had an undefeated weapon of mass destruction, I'd hope they'd go to war without using it too. Okay. I wouldn't want them to turn it on me. Right. And so that's what our, we've always wanted our show primarily to be is a conduit by which a biblical worldview could get re-injected back into the mainstream of America again. And then let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens when the lion is let out of its cage. And so I, I responded that I, I would consider it if we could do America's Christian heritage. They enthusiastically said, absolutely, let's do that. And then they were like, called my bluff. Okay. And they were like, so what's the first one? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> Hadn't thought that far ahead. And I said, you know what? I guess if we're going to do America's Christian heritage, we should do it where it started. With the Puritans, with the pilgrims. And so the first book is Why Thanksgiving? The pilgrims started America, um, or started Thanksgiving for the same reason they came to America, because they loved God. And I will tell you, this was the hardest book I have ever written. I mean, we went through like eight different edits of this book, man. It's 25 pages with one paragraph a page. I mean, the amount of things I had to re-alter and change to write for a four-year-old to understand, okay? Um, it was a difficult edit for me, but we got through it. And uh, you guys have seen an advanced copy of it. It looks, they got the illustrator that uh, published the children's book on Clarence Thomas last year to do the artwork for us. It's just beautiful. Uh, it looks great. It'll be out in about a month. You can pre-order it today on Amazon. Why do I bring it up now other than just a commercial? Because there's another chapter of the history of the pilgrims before they get on the Mayflower and come to America that I think is very, it, it may be even more pertinent to this conversation. Before they came to America, the pilgrims, the Puritans originally fled England and persecution in England to Holland. That's where they went originally. And that's why you often, you know, reformed Christianity or the kind of Christianity that traces its legacy back to the pilgrims is often associated with Dutch culture and Dutch customs and things of that nature. This is why. All right. 
The Dutch government did not want to take them. They were even in a post-Reformation world. They were considered hyper-radicals. Um, extreme biblicists. And not favorable... I can never remember. Is it economical or economical? It's economical, right? Yeah. Not favorable to an economical Christian existence, the likes of which the Dutch government was attempting to... Uh, was attempting to enforce post-Reformation. So they gave these pilgrims an ultimatum. They, they told them that they could settle in Holland under one condition. And that condition was that they couldn't openly evangelize the surrounding populations. Well, if you guys know anything about the, Pil- the Puritans and the pilgrims, that's a little bit like saying to Steve Dace, I'll tell you what. All right. We won't put you behind bars. We will give you indefinite house arrest. But you have to watch something pertaining to Michigan football every single day. So I'm in. All right. Basically, the Dutch government told them a bunch. I told a bunch of five point Calvinists that already believed that the L in the tulip stood for limited atonement. Anyway, that Jesus didn't die for the sins of all. He just died for the sins of the elect. Okay. Um, They told them that they don't have to go and do a bunch of annoying door knocking that frankly, they didn't believe in or wanted to do anyway. So they were in. (laughs) They were like, okay, you drive a hard bargain, sirs. But by golly, if that's the cost of refuge, we will take it. Here's the thing though. I mean, I, I know that uh, there people often ask if you've never, uh, and I understand Calvin was a very complicated figure. Very. Luther was a <laughs> oh God, uber complicated figure. Okay. Um, that's why it's always important for us to remember Jesus is the hero. God's the hero. David's not the hero. Patriarchs aren't the hero. Jesus is the hero. Okay. But one of the one of the misnomers on Calvin is that he did not believe in evangelism. That's not true. Didn't necessarily believe in your forms of sinners' prayers and things of that nature. But he preached inside-out evangelism. Calvin taught about being the city within a city, like the city on a hill, right out of the scriptures. That living biblically, creating Christian culture. Um, watching us live biblically, sola de gloria, the final pillar of the Reformation, the five solas of the Reformation, the final one, sola de gloria, that the purpose of human life is to glorify God and all that we do. Everything we do is to glorify God. That living that is would draw the elect, the elect would, would hear that effectual call of the fruit on the tree. They would hear the call of election and would respond. And so what these Puritans did is they built a city within a city, city here within the Dutch community. And a funny thing happened on the way to not evangelizing anybody intentionally. They evangelized everybody unintentionally. The women were like, wait a minute, man. Your husband disciplines your children. They like respect you. They like pay attention in school. 
the chores are done every day? He provides? Doesn't come home from the tavern drunk three nights a week? Demanding sex? And then speaking of that, the husbands, the other husbands are like, wait a minute, man. Y'all got like 14 kids? How many of those were immaculately conceived? What's going on here? They looked at the way they lived. They looked at the fruit that their biblical form of living produced. And lo and behold, it was transformational. They didn't have a Republican Party. They didn't have a constitution. They didn't have a republic. They couldn't vote. They just lived biblically and transformed a culture doing it that way. By the time they felt it was that they, sh- they were to go back to England, many stayed, some went back, make one final attempt to reform the Church of England, which didn't work, and that's why they ended up on the Mayflower and then came here. When they went to leave, that same Dutch government that did not want them and only took them basically as a last resort with what it viewed as not really truly understanding their theology. So it viewed it as, you know, a, a pretty overbearing requirement that really wasn't very overbearing to them at all. But that same Dutch government that originally didn't want them and was pretty nonplussed about it begged them to stay. Even offered to give give them one of their own colonies. You're the, you're the most law-abiding tax-paying, upright, prosperous, morally devout, productive citizens we have. We don't want to lose you. That's what Matthew Peterson was talking about last hour. Notice what he said. He didn't just focus on what we like focus on, which is run for school board, run for legislature, annoy your politicians. Like, he took this at a personal level, change your life. Live your values and beliefs. Get healthier. Do better. Model what you claim to believe, basically. Essentially, Matthew Peterson put a harder call on our integrity than even we do typically on our show. And what the lesson of the Puritans shows... First of all, the model of the American church, accommodate the culture, adopt its methodologies and systems, and then people will recognize it and come in here and get saved. They'll recognize it, come in, pretend that they're saved, not get discipled, likely be a false convert, and they're there because you have done sensory affirmation, not soul transformation. And that's why you have drag queen story. And that's why. Yeah. And that's why even if you're at a church that won't, wouldn't dare put that in the foyer, it'll be down the street at the library while you're in church any Sunday now. What this group did is they just lived biblically. They just did it. They just did the thing they claimed to believe that the best they could, they were imperfect. Calvin's a very complicated figure. Emphasis on complicated. But they just, the best they could, they just lived biblically. The best they could. And it was transformational. And that's the best weapon we have. 
is in the end when we're done entertaining them. And hey, I like I'm I'm a modernist. I you know, I love technology, but it's it's a it's not a it's a means to an end. It's not the the end of the means themselves. When we're done entertaining them, when we're done patting them on the on the back, when we're done rubbing their bellies, when we're done telling them, uh, when we give them the, the gospel of Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. When we're done with that. And then when real evil shows up and they, have, they don't have the ability to withstand it and they collapse. In the end, you know what they really want most of all? The real fruit on that tree. That's what they want most of all. The real fruit. The fruit that isn't just seasonal, perennial. Sure, there's winters, there's falls, but every spring it comes back, right? Mm -hmm. Every summer it blooms, right? Okay. The constancy, the consistency. That's what we don't teach and disciple in the American church today. And that's why we get caught up in whims. The next election is always the, 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 the biggest election of our lifetimes. And then, you know what? You, you do that whimsical stuff enough generations, and sooner or later, you are literally one election away from losing your entire way of life when that's not the way our system's supposed to work at all, right? But this idea of instant gratification, instant satisfaction, instant rebate, instant this, instant that. I have to, that there, where's the consistency? Where's the constancy? Where's the discipleship? Which, of course, discipleship, the root word of which is what? Discipline. They just lived with discipline and discipled a culture by doing that. Does that answer your question? It does. Now, the title of this book that we are summing up here with this conclusion, Do What You Believe, or You Won't Be Free to Believe It Much Longer. The do what you believe part is absolutely, you're supposed to do that anyways. You're supposed to worship God. Be perfect as I am perfect, as Steve said, as best as you can. But the part about, or you won't be free to believe it much longer, uh, I wanted to just flesh that with a simple uh, story about another book. Because while we're not doing what we so supposedly believe, other people are at a religious level. We wrote a little book about that, about uh, uh, Dr. Fauci, Fauci and Bargain. And we were masked. We were locked down. We were jabbed with something that not only didn't work, but is now poisoning us. Everything we told you about in that book and more and more and more is uh, about Dr. Fauci has proven to be correct. But there's some news, breaking news today, at least. Uh, this is the first time I'm seeing this today. Dr. Fauci is doing what he believes, has been this entire time, at a religious level, mm -hmm. and making you belong to it. And here's what happened. Dr. Fauci's net worth during the pandemic went up by more than $5 million. Meanwhile, as Steve talked about the biblical uh, level uh, at the beginning of this show, again, the coincidences of this show, what we're talking about, the biblical level of economic collapse that's happening to you. Meanwhile, the COVID that he shoved down your throat, he made $5 million on it. He's doing what he believes. And he can get away with it because what this church that Steve's talking about isn't. We're not a nation of laws, and we never have been. We're a nation of political will, and we always will be. 
What's another, what's a synonym for political will? Conviction. Courage of conviction. Remember the pilgrims. They weren't fleeing the Moors. Or what we used to call Muslims. They weren't fleeing the Visigoths, the Druids, the Vikings. Who were they fleeing? Their own countrymen. The ch- <laughs> their own church elders. They had to flee them. They get on a rickety boat. Women and children. There are pregnant women on board this boat. What kind of conviction does it take to risk that? A hell of a lot more than the conviction that we show and how little we are willing to risk. At least that much. The other side just goes for broke, man. The spirit of the age, they go for broke on every play. We can have all the creeds. We can have all the ideologies. We can have all the numbers. But without the right conviction, we have no chance. How do 110 men and women in an upper room in Jerusalem end up within two centuries, three centuries, going from the most persecuted sect in all of the Roman Empire to conquering it? Conviction. Passed down generation after generation. Conviction. 56 men, many of them very wealthy, pledged their lives and fortunes and sacred honors on a summer day in a sweaty, steamy summer day in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, risking a hell of a lot of comfort in the process. For why? Conviction. Conviction. But it works the other way too. Why can they lie to us like this? Sociopathically. Conviction. Conviction works the other way too. Everyone in hell had a ton of conviction. I mean, they staked their eternal soul on it. How did a country that wants to remain in the 8th century kick out the Soviet Union and the United States of America within a 40-year span? Conviction. They wanted that armpit more than us or the Red Army wanted it in the end. Conviction always wins. Always wins. Conviction wins. That's why they use propaganda, trying to instill conviction within their own people and to disabuse the conviction within the enemy's people. Conviction always wins. Always. We didn't win the American Revolutionary War as much as the Red Coach just finally said, I'm done dying for New Jersey. I'm going home now. And just literally left. They literally just got up at Yorktown, jumped on some boats, and just, we're done here. We don't care anymore. We're out of here. Going home. You guys can have New Jersey. We're not dying for it anymore. Who dies for New Jersey? We're not doing that anymore. We're out of here. I just left. Conviction wins. And that goes back to what you were pointing out, Todd, with that 20 million people. And what do we mean by a biblical worldview? We're not even getting into differences between Catholicism and Protestantism or even within Protestantism. What's 
progressive sanctification? Uh, what's dual covenant theology? Um, what what's uh, do you, can you define the hyperstatic union? I mean, we're not even getting into that kind of stuff that previous generations taught their children in elementary schools. Okay, we're talking the devil's real. What are the Ten Commandments? Is the Bible the Word of God? And did Jesus die and rise again on the third day? Sunday school, kindergarten stuff is how these surveys define biblical worldview these days. As dumbed down and generic and watered down as it could possibly get. And we only got about 10%. That's still 20 million people. That would be one of the largest standing armies on planet Earth. That's a hell of a lot more people than the Rainbow Jihad has. So why are they running us over? Why are we the Christmas parade at Kenosha and they're the guy driving the pile-driving Ram Charger every time? Why? Conviction. Conviction. That's why. I know that answer sucks, man. I like convenience and complacency, too. I'm literally counting down the days until next July when the new EA Sports College football game is finally re-released. I love the accoutrements of American comfort and slovenliness as much as anybody does. But we only get to live like that after demonstrated conviction. More than anything else, more than ideology, more than dissenters versus versus regime, virtue signalers. And really, when you boil it all down, the battle in the West is about a battle over conviction. Who has the most courage of conviction in their stated beliefs will win, period. If you've got those lingering pesky odors that just won't go away, maybe it's dirty diapers, smoke, trash cans, litter boxes. Maybe you were potty training a puppy in a room and kept trying to shampoo the carpets and couldn't get the smell out. Whatever the case may be, put the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier to the test. First of all, it's filterless, so you won't have to you know, uh, keep digging into your pocket to replace the filters for years on end. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and then also, it works against these kinds of odors. I mean, I've tested it against my own pretty smelly poker group, uh, particularly Mike, my buddy who's flatulence incarnate. Uh, and then I've tested it up against my teenage son, who is teenage hormones and sweat from summer conditioning and football practice every day incarnate. And it is Masterful. If you want to put it to the test as well, I've got notes from several of you in the audience who did, and you were very pleased with the results. Right now, you can get three units. They come in a pack of three, so you get the three units for under two hundred bucks. Three units for under two hundred bucks, and free shipping, and free shipping when you use the code Steve three when you go to EdenPureDeals.com. Again, Eden, E D E N, you know, just like it sounds. EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code Steve three. Aaron, it is now time for three non-political questions. Three hopefully good non-political questions. I put in so much thought and effort into these questions. Just kidding. I thought of them since the start of the show. Question number one. What's the least manly creature comfort you enjoy regularly? I can start first on this one. Okay. And Todd is going to, I predict Todd is going to have some answer like 
Uh, I like apple cider vinegar instead of straight vinegar. That's just how Todd rolls. But I, I will begin. And I will begin. Uh, what's the worst thing, especially in fall and winter? Maybe only in fall and winter. What's the worst part of the day? It's getting out of your warm bed in the morning, right? That's the worst part of the day. Once you get out, you know, that's what, what's the second worst part of the day? Getting out of a hot shower. The least manly creature comfort I enjoy on a regular basis is the space heater we have in our bathroom. Now, I will say as well, not having that space heater in there, that's the cause for numerous uh, cricks in my neck and throwing my back out when I get out to, to dry off. Yes, I am an old man. When you're an old man like me, someday you will experience as well cricks in your neck and throwing your back out. I'm all I'm all tensed up, and then I start to dry off my hair like an animal, and uh, it inevitably pull a muscle. So, least manly creature comfort I enjoy on a regular basis. It has to be it has to be that space heater in the bathroom. Can I ask a clarifying question? Mm, sure. Is it safe to have a space heater in your bathroom, yo? I, I guess. I mean, I, I'm you know still what I'm here. saying? Is that a, that a safe place for that? You know? I mean, how much steam do you produce? I mean, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'm not worried about knocking it over or anything, you know? I'm no, it's less. got a safety on it. It's got a okay. safety. Right. I'm far less concerned about that than his need for it. That's... <laughs> <laughs> the danger of electrocution is... I mean, Secondary, that's the, yeah. That part, he's being a man. Like, what? Live wire? Who cares? I like, actually hadn't even thought about it before you brought it up. Well, now I hope I didn't jinx it, so like I psych you out, you know. But yeah, that'd be my concern: putting a space heater in the bathroom, right? Are you concerned about like the water? Content yeah, I mean, and, I just oh. the bathroom doesn't strike me as a place you want to put a lot of high voltage electrics. But you know, what do I know? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't get into like a bath with the space heater. I, I well, of course you don't, because otherwise we'd have a new producer by now. But I'm just, I, I would, I'd be concerned about a risk of that, wouldn't you? I have concerns. <laughs> All right, what's yours? I mean, pumpkin. I don't, I don't mine, is, mine is pumpkin yeah, I knew. spice. Todd, no, always, no, come on. We always let Todd get, get away here. with that. I don't, no, get I don't have here. any weaknesses. Soccer would be one. I have weaknesses. I don't have okay. any unmanly creature comfort. Mine is clearly pumpkin spice. It's clearly pumpkin spice. My basic white girl love of pumpkin spice is clearly my least manly creature comfort. Has to be. I th- okay, if I have to. Yes, you yes, do. Yes, you do. If I have to, I actually get uh, pushback. As you know, I like uh, beer, but I, I think there's absolutely in in the... I, somebody came at me, I think we did it, some version of this uh, question, probably May or June or something like that. I said, on a 90 degree day, a, just a Bud Light Lime is a fantastic beer. I'd rather have that. And all of the, you know, I like I like everything else too. I like the. I just last night I had. Um, Did you bust out the Zima? A, 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 oh God, no! With no, the lime, that's not beer. That's not beer. No. Even Todd likes the blue yummies sometimes. <laughs> but uh, no, so somebody came back to me that that's not real beer. So I think the fact that in on a ninety degree day that I drink a Bud Light lime is my least manly creature uh, comfort. All right, here's another clarifying question. Then are we saying? Because as a as a daughter or a dad of daughters, I mean, part of the gig is getting yourself involved in things that might not be the most manly pursuits. Like I saw every every Barbie animated film at least once. Saw them all. I still know the words to some of the songs. I mean, I've, I've watched these so many times when the girls were growing up. Right? 
Are we saying that those aren't considered unmanly pursuits? No. Because yeah. they are done You're within done. the context yeah. of being a dad. These are just for your own personal okay, comfort. For, so, yes. Okay, all right, that's a clarify. Because there's no question you have not indulged in some of those things as the father of four daughters. There's no question you have. Yeah, but that's just being dad. Okay, all right. So if we're saying that that's separate because that's part of daddy, anything daddy related is not necessarily unmanly because being Correct. a daddy is about the most manly thing you can do. If we're Correct. saying that, then okay. All right. Because that's where I that's where I was calling BS. I'm like, come on, man. There's no way, no way you have not done a tea party or anything of that nature at least 28 times as a dad of four daughters. No way you haven't done that. Mm, have I had it? I suppose I've yes, I've participated in a tea party. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That was like pulling teeth. That was man. Yeah, I was trying to. It's been oh, a while. Man. But no, I think I've I, I've done that. But. I yeah, I love different. I love having the the testosterone card pulled on me by the dude who loves soccer. I can't tell you how much I love that. I love that. I get off on it, it actually. It's easy. That's that has and then absolutely nothing to do with the math of this question. Being told that it's easy. That's twisting the knife. Question number two. As has been mentioned a few times this week, we're remodeling the studio next week, and I really think it's going to look super cool. Going to have a lot of really cool things. I'm I'm hoping that it'll look super cool anyway. I, I really do think it will. Uh, what one piece of memorabilia or an artifact would you want most on set? And give three reasons why. Um, it's actually behind me here. Um, and it's, I've got it set aside to be put on the new set. So uh, I got started in media. Uh, as a news assistant at the Des Moines Register, and I had pestered them, uh, you know, I was worked part-time uh, doing the agate section, you know, getting all the high school scores, and agate is, means small print type, you know, the page where you got the box scores and stuff. And I had pestered them and pestered them and pestered them to give me a chance to write. And they finally did, and they gave me an assignment to do an analysis of how Iowa's track athletes performed in the state track meet in 1995 in comparison to the surrounding states, Illinois, Missouri, Minnesota, et cetera. And I, I didn't do it. And I told them, I literally told them the only thing worse than track is field. I'm not writing about track and field. And they were going to fire me. Apparently that's what happens when your employer gives you an assignment and you refuse to do it. They were going to fire me. The day they were going to fire me that morning, I was the only non hungover member of my friend group. And I got to, so I got uh, volunteered to go to Hardee's to get breakfast for everybody. On the way back, I got sideswiped by a foreign exchange student driving like a 73 Charger. I was driving my 86 Skyhawk from high school. So guess what happens when American Steel meets American Bondo? What do you think happened? Who, who do you think won that one? Do you think? It wasn't the Bondo, right? I mean, I ended up in the hospital, all kinds of other stuff. And you know, I, I finally showed back to work two weeks later at the register with a neck brace on. And they told me later they were going to fire me. They just couldn't bring themselves to do it when I showed up with a neck brace on. I guess those newsroom liberals were good for something, right? Okay. So months and months and months go by and they have not given me, shockingly, another writing assignment after I didn't do the one they gave me, right? But I mean, I'm working hard now. I'm doing, I'm, I'm the best news assistant they have, man. I'm writing the best agate that's ever been agate written. Like I'm, I'm, I'm grinding, and so it's clear they're not going to give me another shot. And uh, by now I've met my future wife and we're talking about getting married. And I wanted to find out if I had a future working in, sp in media, in sports media. 
So I took it upon myself. I, we had not done a story yet on the number one ranked basketball team in the state at Mason City High School because they were about an hour and a half north of Des Moines. So I contacted the coach, Bob Horner, uh, whose son, Jeff, would go on to be a starting point yep. guard at your beloved Iowa Hawkeyes. They had another point guard that year, Dean Oliver, who would go on and play at mm-hmm. Iowa. They were the number one team in the state. I talked to Dean. I talked to, to Bob. And I made it look like I was the new high school sports reporter for the Register. And this was my first feature. It was going to be on them as the number one team in the state. And I interviewed everybody and wrote up the feature. And I waited until I'm on the sports desk on Saturday night to do the old Big Peach for Sunday. I wait till we get done and everybody goes home and I filed my story electronically at like you're supposed to if it was assigned. And then I'm like, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. Next Monday, I'm at the mailroom, my other job. I had two minimum wage jobs. The mailroom at Blue Cross Blue Shield and doing the agate section on the desk for the Des Moines Register. I had two minimum wage jobs. The next Monday, I get my mail truck loaded up. I get my headphones on. You know, I'm going to deliver the mail like the stud I was not. And my supervisor, Marsha, comes over says hey man there's somebody on the phone like really mad it's for you it's the deputy sports editor at the des moines register he's like you get your bleepity bleep and bleep over here what time do you get off and at the time the two buildings were just across the street from each other that's why i worked at these two places because i could do it all in one day because i didn't have a car i was riding the bus and uh um three o'clock rolls around i get off work at the mail room i go over there to come get my whooping at the register and uh, he berates me for violating all sorts of protocols, for misrepresenting myself. Um, all true, by the way. Um, and I start thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to come up with the snappy one-liner and then walk out of here, salvage whatever pride I have left so that years from now when I work my way up to claims adjuster at, the, at Blue Cross and I'm on Court Avenue having a beer with my buddies after work, I'll tell them this story about how I, I walked out on the register once. And I, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm fumbling around in my mind trying to think of what's my snappy one-liner going to be. And, and that's when he looks at me and he says, but your story's really damn good. So we're going to run it on the front page of the sports section tonight. And that's how I got started in media. And the first gift my wife ever bought me was a framed, matted um, version of that story. And it's been sitting here in its original... Um, case, you know, for years, we just had no place to put it or anything. And so I'm going to make sure when we launch the new set that there is a place for that. So, because that's, that's where it all began. Uh, my story is more simple. A, Love that story, by the way. Yeah. Ep- it's an epic, you know, it's amazing. The register stories that you and I have. Mm-hmm. Good grief. Uh, uh, a bill par. <laughs> or that. I'd be okay with that, too. Yes. Uh, w- three reasons why. Why I'd take a bill bar? Yeah. Uh, they're delicious. They're free. At least for me, when he brings them in. And they're uh, um, healthy. There we go. Those okay. are good reasons. I like it. I yeah. would have the Mona Lisa on the wall behind me. One, it's just uh, uh, the quintessential artifact of uh, of maybe Western history. Two, I think it would be absolutely, absolutely hilarious for me to do the montage with the Mona Lisa on the wall behind me, like the actual one. And three, Mona Lisa and I have the same basic face. It's just like neither smiling nor upset. 
I think she I think she gets me. And I think I might get her too. The weirdest segments and they just get weirder every single I promised week. you. I promised you last segment I was going to destroy yes, whatever flow we had that's on the this greatest, show. That's the greatest actually that's maybe the greatest two minutes you've ever had on this show. I right did. there. I'm not, right it's not Bill Bar. If you still have it, Aaron, without a I can't believe I didn't think of this. I would take your salt gun that we use to kill oh, yeah. wasps because, yeah. as yes, Steve, you know, is allergic to them, uh, but though that comedy gold. I do need comedy to. gold. I'm glad the risking of my life See, amuses the, you. The next question actually goes. I need to apologize to Todd though. I was kind of piling on. Uh, when Steve was making fun of soccer there a few minutes ago. Before you get to the next question, yes, brought to you by our friends over at Rough Greens. Now there is a supplement for your pet. Like we need supplements these days to replace all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients taken out of our people food. That's why we take so many supplements these days. That's why that's one of the biggest sections of the store these days, the supplements, because we need that stuff in our health. And now your pet needs it too, because they strip that stuff out of your pet's food for the same reasons they do you, mass distribution. Now there's one for your pet. You mix the Rough Greens powder into your pet's food and restore the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients your pet has been missing, but you might be wondering, what if it doesn't work? And hey, the last thing I need is another expenditure in the Let's Go Brandon economy. You're right. That's why we're going to give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com, or you pay for the shipping, the bag is on us, or you can call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Yeah, as uh, I was kind of piling on with Steve there, I need to tell Todd I actually had the UEFA Women's Champions League qualification on live. It's uh, Bayern Munich women versus Real. So I'm winning and, this and, battle. And you're fired. I'm women. winning this battle. And you are fired. Uh, question number three. So again, kind of related to the uh, renovation, because this is the last full week we're going to be in this in the set the way that it is right now. What is the most poignant memory you have of this edition of the, the Dick Show set? I will begin. Okay. I mean, there are several times early on where I'm like, I went to I went to school for radio, and naturally, I'm doing all of this video and live switching and mixing on the air. There were some steep learning curves at the beginning, but it has to be the wasps. I mean, there were some times when when Steve would just kind of ride it out and wait for me to get the wasps. There are other times, as you remember, that it was just out of here. <laughs> um, but it has to be the wasps. Has to be the wasps. Not saying I was amused. I was amused. Not saying I'm I was amused, but comedy gold i'm glad anaphylactic shock amuses y'all thank you it is the week to two week period sitting right in this chair and the weight of the emotion of my father dying uh going home coming back for like a day telling you about that uh going again to the funeral having this amazing funeral right before covid and then everything shutting down and coming back and begging and pleading with you to not go crazy because I could feel it. I could sense it. All, all segments were going nuts, including people on the right. And I don't like I said, that was two weeks of emotion that um, it just profound and etched on me forever. Those are great answers. I mean, for me, it would be the Monday we came in here after Trump extended the 15 yeah, to 30 days. True. And I told you guys flat out, I, I can't do another 2016 where I'm going to argue against my audience for an indeterminate amount of time. And I think you guys should seriously consider looking for alternative careers. I mean, I told you that. Yeah. Because I just said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going along with this because Trump is, and I'm going to lose my audience, but I'm not changing because I, I think I'm right about this. 
And the audience actually grew and stuck with the truth, regardless of whether Trump was on the right side of it or not. And that was a very important and poignant moment and lesson and encouragement for me that you guys gave me. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.